Impressions post Jerry Butler on Abner from 1959. Senorita, I love you. BJ re released it in 62 and 64 as well. Didn't chart in 59 or 62 or 64, but still a terrific record with, of course, Curtis Mayfield on lead. So we are going to talk with Captain Trahan again, and I'm so glad that he was willing to come back tonight because when we were parting last night, he said, you got time for another story about Spooky? So uh, firstly, let me briefly tell you, in case you weren't listening last night, I'll have uh, I'll have Mike tell you about Spooky briefly, but uh, uh, after graduating, graduating from Air Force undergraduate pilot training, Mike spent two years in the military airline command and uh, that was initially uh, flying transport but then he was reassigned to Spooky and what a story that is when he left the Air Force in 1970 he went to Delta where he was a pilot for 32 years retiring as captain in 2002 so Captain Trahan thanks for coming back well Ronnie so glad to glad to be back I appreciate the invitation oh yeah it's been so an interesting day today <laughs> All the way around. Now, for individuals oh, yeah. who missed you last night, uh, I find this so fascinating. It's the most ingenious use of aviation I've heard. Explain spooky. Okay, I'd be glad to. Uh, in 1965, they uh, they found out there was a great need for night close air support for outposts and, and troops out in the field. They would, uh, the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese, and um, NBA and North Vietnamese Army um, would attack at night, and without the cover, without some kind of light or, or cover fire, the, the guys were just sitting ducks. So uh, they found out that fighters could come in and suppress the enemy for a while, but as soon as they'd leave, they'd come back in. So they developed a, a program called uh, Side Firing Gunnery. And the airplane we used was the AC-47, which is no DC-3 that we all remember. Uh, they used it in World War II mostly as a troop carrier. Um, it's a great airplane. Uh, Douglas built it in the 30s, and it still flies today, believe it or not. That airplane's unbelievable. It's older than me. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, we put some machine guns, some 7.62 uh, minigun machine guns that fire 6,000 rounds a minute, and... Uh, we can use one gun at a time or all three. And we used uh, phosphorus flares on parachutes to light the target. But we, what we did, we flew night alert, airborne alert. We usually just took off at, at um, sunset and flew around till midnight. That was the first mission of the night. And the next one took off at midnight and flew till dawn. And we were up there and we were available anytime anybody got was attacked, we called a TIC, a troop in contact uh, mission. We, w we would be called in and we'd go 
suppress the fire. Um, it was ingenious and it, and it worked great. Um, I didn't tell you last night, Raleigh, but we had, uh, I think a total of 50, 54, um, AC 47s in Vietnam and 17 of them were shot down. So it was, it was a high loss rate mission because it was, it was pretty dangerous. We'd fly night at 3000 feet above the ground in a circle at 120 knots. And, uh, but anyway, that was the the mission that we flew in. Now, what was I telling you about last night? What you want? What was it we were talking you, about? Well, uh, well, first I want to again mention that every time I hear about this, I'm just so amazed because prior to Spooky, the idea of being able to hover, you normally would be in a helicopter. The idea that you're going to do this in fixed wing and do it with this kind of precision. Uh, do you know? Do you know the guy who came up with it? Yes, uh, his name was Terry, Captain Terry. It was a fairly junior officer, but he uh, he got the attention of the big of the big generals, and uh, they liked the idea. And I I made a serious omission last night. If I'd like to correct that, if sure. I can, sure. Uh, one, I mentioned that um, the gunship, the AC forty seven, we used it from nineteen sixty five until December of nineteen sixty nine. Well, concurrent with that, they were also using. Uh, an airplane called the Shadow. It was an AC-119. Do you remember the flying boxcars from World War II, Ron? Yes, yes. You, you, all right, now that brings up another subject. I've talked to a lot of my flying buddies today, and they okay. are most impressed with your aviation knowledge, and especially your knowledge of the airline industry, and we're interested in knowing how that happened. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the 119 was a great great airplane too they had uh, the capability of carrying a little bit more load than we did and they had four mini guns and one 20 millimeter can uh cannon on their airplane and they flew concurrently with us for a couple of years there and i think their last mission was in uh 72 so yeah and that, that anyway, was a, i didn't want to leave i didn't want to no. leave out the 119 guys they, had, they flew a great mission Absolutely. That was a Fairchild. And uh, you betcha. And wow. a, quite an imposing looking plane, to say the, yeah. uh, say the least. Yeah. So, uh, uh, no, I'm, I, you know, I just pay attention. And I've always been fascinated by the aviation industry commercially, because, uh, again, when it was so CAB regulated, and uh, when there were so much, uh, you know, mail carriage involved, you could see how it worked. But when it deregulated, and when the consuming public wanted to pay less than the value of actually actually the seats, I've wondered to this day how the heck does it work? So I've uh, I've followed all the mergers and uh, along the way made friends. I still have my I'm Raleigh Fly Me shirt from National, and <laughs> I don't wear it as often yeah. anymore. But uh, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but I I do I, I I find it fascinating. And of course, uh, even in 1970 when you got in, it's Still, there was an there was an aura of glamour to air travel that uh, that has since all disappeared. But no, what you were telling me last night, and of course, I'm not going to be able to tell you the story because you said I've got another story about Spooky. Do you have time? <laughs> yeah. And I said I got a minute, and you said not enough. So here you are. Do you remember the story? <laughs> of course I do. Uh, okay, it was it's one of those wonderful things in life that, that just knock you off your feet. Uh, one night I was on. 
Facebook, and I had been writing my Air Force Years book, and I was describing one of the most exciting missions I had over in Vietnam. Uh, I was flying out in a train, and we were up at night, and we were just just off the base. I mean, not a mile or two off the, off the runway there, out over the water. And we looked down, and we saw tracers up in an inlet, um, and we saw tracers going from the water to the land and from the land to the water. And I told my navigator, I said, you might want to scan the radio and see if anybody needs help. And sure enough, it, we heard a call sign Mustang. This is Mustang. Any Anybody on frequency, we need some help down here. We're trapped in an inlet. And I got on the radio, and I said, Mustang, this is spooky. Uh, 4-1, we're right above you. What can we do for you, bud? And he said, well, we've got – we stumble on some uh, – some of the bad guys unloading material on the beach over here, and we came into the inlet, and they trapped us. We were caught in here, and they, we can't get out. Uh, they, they've got too much firepower. And I said, well, we got clearance to fire on that target, and they said it was a free fire zone. So it was pretty. It was a pretty steep hill where the, where the bad guys were and fairly flat on the other side of the inlet. So I told the the guy on the Mustang, I said, go ahead, and we're clear to fire. Give me a point out the target with your tracers, and, and we'll go to work. So he fired a tracer round, and I put my target, my pipper right on that spot. And sure enough, uh, somebody down there, I don't know, it was just a bad day for him. He, uh, he decided to take a shot at me, and he was right in the center of my gun sight, in the very center. Oh. And I just returned his fire, and uh, the whole mountainside lit up, Raleigh. It was, I mean, there must have been 150, 200 of those people down there. We spent four and a half hours that night on that target. We reloaded our ammunition and flares twice, um, and and we could have gotten Mustang out of there, but he was having so much fun working that target with us that we went and landed twice and reloaded ammunition and uh flares i fired sixty-three thousand rounds of ammunition that night oh my god and uh and and my crew was magnificent i i had a crew of seven i had a i was aircraft commander and i had a co-pilot and a navigator and a flight engineer two gunners and a loadmaster the loadmaster was back there taking care of the flares and the uh, flight engineer helped the gunners and he helped the loadmaster he just did everything back there but my crew was magnificent in fact Everybody was put in for the Distinguished Flying Cross on that mission because they did such a great job. But um, anyway. That's a, that's a great story. I put, I, thank you. But, uh, by the way, we did get uh, get the, the boat out. On the last, after I loaded the last time, it was getting close to daylight, and I said, we need to get out of there. And he said, okay, tell me when. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to start at the far end of the inlet on the, the land side of the inlet, and I'm going to come and just do a strafing pass, uh, straight out, straight out the inlet pass. And when I start that, I want you to make a make a make a run for the open water. So we did that, and Raleigh it was unbelievable. I had all three guns at fast rate, which is eighteen thousand rounds a minute, and I was wagging the wings. It looked like a looked like a garden hose, the head, you know, and. As we went along that uh, that hillside, so 
Anyhow, he got out of there, and we landed. Well, I posted that. That that was one of the stories in my Air Force book, and I posted that on Facebook. Uh It wasn't 10 seconds. It wasn't 10 seconds later I got a message. Hey, Mike, this is Billy Clark. I was your flying engineer on that airplane that night. Oh, man. uh, Oh, that's great. Yes, and I, I had not, other than... One of my co-pilots, uh, who became a lifelong friend, I, I, I hadn't been in touch with any of those guys. You know, like I told you last night, when I came home, it was not fun to remember my service because nobody appreciated it. And so I just forgot it and went on and did my other stuff. Um, but Billy said, we gotta, we got to get together. He said, there's a, a group of guys we call the Spooky Brotherhood, and uh, a fellow named Junior Skinner, who was a mechanic, and Mike Acosta, who was a gunner, got together and put this reunion group together. It was mostly the enlisted guys in the back. He said, but we have a few pilots, and we're trying to get more. Well, we've been meeting for the last seven years, and those guys were the ones that, that really let, gave me an appreciation for for what we did in, in Vietnam. And like I told you last night, our mission was strictly to defend our, our guys and our allies and, and get those guys home safely. Oh, you saved so lives. Was, you know, you, you saved... It's a great story. More lives Thank than you. you know you've saved. And uh, with your books and with the stories coming out, are more and more people coming out of the woodwork to say, yes, you saved my life? Thank you. Well, it, it's amazing. Um, I kind of... You know, I didn't I didn't know what the books were going to do. I just felt compelled to, to put my story down. I had such a a long flying career. I, I flew 45 years from the age of 15 right. to 60, Raleigh. Right. And, and the first book is about eight and a half years in high school and college and, and flying out of a little airport there at home. And then, the, of course, the second, the next second book is the Air Force years and then the Delta. But um, it, it was a magnificent career, and uh, I lost track of what you asked me. <laughs> That's, that's all right, but as I think of that career, again, timing is everything, and timing was really on your side, because you, you got to fly in some of the, the real early planes, you know, not, not talking the Wright brothers, but uh, nonetheless, uh, to uh, the ultra-modern, and not many people can, uh, mm-hmm. can ever make that statement. And again, that you got out in 1970, and Delta was the last major carrier hiring, and you got on that's there, it was, it was just... Uh, 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 it was just one of those predestined things. You uh, you clearly were mm-hmm. meant to do this, so uh, I can't even right. imagine. Uh, now, flying some of those earlier planes, uh, you know, you, you, you really felt all the G-forces. You really felt every bit of it versus flying the planes you were flying, which were made for, you know, customer comfort when you left. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I never liked those things. I didn't want a flying living room, for God's sakes, you know. And that's what the the emphasis really was. Heaven forbid you hit air turbulence. So uh, apart from being shot at, which of course colors uh, your opinion tremendously, but what were what were your just as far as a pilot your favorite planes to fly? Oh my God! Well, the T thirty eight was we called it the White Rocket. It was Northrop that built it. It was a supersonic trainer, uh, twin engine, um, uh, tandem seating, and it, it's the airplane. You're familiar with the ones uh, that the astronauts used to go back and forth to Cape Kennedy. Yeah. No, I've Houston, seen. Those I've white, seen that. Uh, yeah. Jets. 
Yeah, and I've seen yeah. those T thirty eight Talons. I have seen them. Yes, that's because uh, Ed, Edwards. They always flew over Edwards in uh, right. in California. It's just a beautiful plane. Yeah, they use them. They use them in test pilot school. Um, but anyway, uh, that that thing was was a wonderful airplane. I I never met an airplane I didn't didn't like except Piper. Colt, I think, was the only one I didn't like. <laughs> okay. All, all the rest of them, I loved them. Uh, I had good a good variety of, of little airplanes that I flew in. Uh, I don't know. I didn't get to tell you this. Uh, the old DC three, you know, is, is a is a legendary airplane. Yeah, it's a workhorse. And I have a, I ha- yes, I have a history with this airplane that is really neat. Um, we had a one in my hometown. There was a millionaire. His name was Ed, Edgar Brown. And he had his own airport, and he had a DC three, and it was probably the nicest one in the world. It was all decked out, you know, for carpet flying, oh, had wow. big picture windows in, and everything. It was gorgeous. Well, I was a twelve year old kid, and and we had a ten acre farm there in, in West Orange, Texas, and the downwind on his airport came right over our house, over the over the pasture back there. And I remember as a 12-year-old kid laying on my back in the pasture with my dog, Cooper, at my feet, you know, and just looking up in the sky and wondering what it'd be like to fly that magnificent airplane. Oh, wow. Well, well, I went on and started learning how to fly out there when I was 15. And somehow I managed to get a multi-engine rating at, right before I graduated college. And one day I was out at the airport and... Mr. Brown's pilot came up to me. I was tying an airplane down. He said, Mike, he said, you have a multi-engine rating, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, I need a co-pilot on the, on the DC-3 this week. We're going out to the ranch at Kerrville, and my co-pilot's on vacation. Would you like to go? <laughs> I said, would I like to go? So I actually got to fly Mr. Brown's airplane when I was like 21, and we spent a great week out at his ranch. Um, well, that's great. Now, had had that but, been mo- anyway, had that been know, uh, had that DC three been modified to the Rolls Royce Dart engines? Uh, it was. It had the R two thousands. Okay. Yeah, it, it was. It was super modified. It was. It was a gorgeous airplane. Yeah. I'll try that. Well, I think you'll see a picture of it from books. All right. Which yeah. are already, which are already packaged and on the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, We're talking to uh, Captain Trahan, yeah. and you can you can get all the books right at Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and look for Mike Trahan, and we'll pick it up right there. I'm Raleigh James on WGN Radio. Billy Stewart, 
Chicago by virtue of being on Chess in 1965. It was a top 10 R&B record, 26 pop, but to this day, the single biggest Hispanic request record in America, hands down. Doesn't matter if it's Mexicans from East L.A. or the west side of San Antonio or Cubans from Miami. This is the one. Billy, of course, was from D.C., died in a car crash in 1970, only 32, but terrific record. Now, we're talking with Captain Trahan. We've been talking about DC-3s, which is far as I know, are still in service, are they not? Well, they're still flying around. In fact, uh, there's a replica of our AC-47 down in uh, Kansas, which I'm trying to think where it is, the Topeka. Uh, American Flight Museum has put together an actual replica of the airplane, and, and they've had it at Oshkosh. Uh, oh. You mentioned Oshkosh last night. I want to tell you briefly, if I have a minute. Yes. Um, uh, I met your producer there, by the way. Nice guy. Oh, good. Really good guy, Ben. And um, one day, uh, Connie Boland, who is the president of the Warbird Association, said they were going to do uh, a feature of the DC-3, the C-47, in a, a Warbird conference, which they have there. It's pretty neat. And she asked me. I told her, I said, Connie, I flew that airplane in, in Vietnam in the gunship version of it. And she says, well, good, we'll have, we'll have you uh, do the conference with us. Raleigh, she set me up with the most famous pilot in the world as my co-interviewee, uh, David Hartman, uh, interviewed us. And the guy was Dick Cole, who was um, Jimmy Doolittle's co-pilot on the Doolittle Raids. Wow. And, and uh, Dick Cole and I sat there for an hour with, uh, with David Hartman answering questions about he flew the the DC-3 over the hump, the C-47, and I flew it, uh, you know, of course, in Vietnam. And at the end of that, this guy, I I just adored the man. I'd met him several times through these air show associations down in Houston and so forth and and got to know him as a a friend. And uh, he said the neatest thing, he said, well, Mike, he said, we have one thing in common. He said, we love this old girl. Talk about the airplane behind us. But uh, one of the highlights of my life there, Raleigh, Oh, I'll bet. And the I think stories it, don't end. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll enjoy the books, I think. No, I absolutely will. But I, I know he died last year. I read about that. I think he was like 103 years old. So, 103. And, uh, yeah, and still just God, getting around. Yeah. God love him. Yes. So are you, still, are you still flying? No, I'm, I'm medically disqualified. I had a little stroke behind my right eye oh. a few months ago. And uh, it's kind of messed up. But... Uh, I still well, fly in my heart, you know, and I still dream about it yeah. once in a while. Oh, yeah. No, I, I can relate because I wanted to take uh, flying lessons when I was a kid. And uh, a girlfriend of mine, uh, you know, talked me into it. And I went and I passed all the stuff as far as the ground stuff. And then they saw my vision and they said, no, <laughs> no, oh. no, you're not you're not even going to get in this plane in any form other than as a passenger. And so well, you've uh, been a good one. You sure, uh, you sure know about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it was always something I wanted to do, but uh, I live vicariously through all of you. And uh, speaking of living, a lot of people are living because of you, and it is an honor to meet you, Captain Trahan. 
Well, same here, Raleigh. Of course, I looked you up today, and I'm quite impressed oh. with your background. Oh, oh, oh brother. Oh. Well, <laughs> well, if you're looking at Wikipedia, that's not much of the story. But yes. No, you, I, I'm uh, looking at the other stuff. Uh, too. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, I, I can't wait to get your books, and I'm sure there'll be a contact in there, and I will let you know as soon as I'm done reading what I thought. I know I'm going to love them. Well, I appreciate that. I hope you stay in touch. Uh, send, I can't. I know you're. Uh, you don't. I, I, you don't have a friends deal on Facebook, but uh, look me up and uh, or just stay in touch. Okay. Email if you will. Okay, and, I can. Uh, I can. I've, I can do that through a couple friends pages. So uh, if I okay. do, I'll I'll make sure they tell you that it's me. All right. Thanks. Okay, it's well, been great. Right. Appreciate it. Well, it has, and I really appreciate the call back tonight. That that was great. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you. I, I, my friends loved it last night. So. Oh, good. Well, was fun too. Shout out to all of them, and we'll do it again. Thanks. So, this is, I am Raleigh James. This is WGN Radio.